welcome back to another episode of the Hitchcock Minute. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1959 Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller, North by Northwest. One stinking minute of screen time per episode. Jason, does that mean that we're going to look at the movie and talk about it for one minute? No. That's, that's not a, what minutes by movies means. That's a common misconception. <laughs> Why would anyone think, I'm going to look at this for one minute? <laughs> like, here's your minute. Here's your minute digest. No. <laughs> one minute of screen time per episode. I am Curtis Blaze, and hanging below me in his dress shoes off of a ledge is my esteemed colleague, Jason Hummel. This matter is best disposed of from a great height over water. <laughs> We, we are the hosts of the Better Off Dead Minute, the podcast that examines the movie Savage Steve Holland movie, Better Off Dead, one minute at a time, and we are just delighted to be your hosts for this episode of the Hitchcock Minute. So he says, I think this matter is best disposed of at great height over water. And when he does that, the camera lifts up. Yeah. So that's... Probably on purpose. Oh, very on purpose. The crane is going up. Is it just a cheesy one-for-one thing? Great height as the camera's lifting, and that's all there is to it? It means nothing deeper? Hmm. Because, okay, so if we're, we're examining the symbolism of it, he's speaking the line from below, then. Yeah. Does that mean that later on he's going to lose? Is this foreshadowing him, him being at the bottom later on? Could be. Or it could just be Hitch having a little fun with the camera. The look on Leonard's face when he realizes that Philip is not taking Eve with him. You can tell his heart is just pitter-patting. So hard seeing the script. Just to go over something from yesterday. (laughs) Eve says, I thought I heard a shot. Ah. Philip says, like our friends, I too believe in neatness. I mean, we've we've talked about this before, but he's talking about the Russians. Yeah. Now, it's been a couple days since you and I have gotten together to talk. Did we already have a conversation where we figured out definitively that there's some scene that telegraphs they're working for the Russians? I don't think we definitively defined it, but uh, we we were definitely heading in that direction. That's right. I was like, well, the housekeeper looks Russian. That's what it was. <laughs> and her name is Anna. Anna. But, but she's East German. That's what it was. It's like they could be East Germans. Yeah. You know. I never thought about that. I just that. had it. I just had, that could That could explain so much. If they're actually working with East Germans, um, you know, the Russians, but yeah. but agents of East Germany, and that's their connection to the Russians, that could explain why there's such a Nazi vibe rather than a Russian vibe yeah. going on here. So they're going to South America. To see uh, Mengele and his clones. <laughs> nope, wrong movie. I say same universe. <laughs> I want to have this conversation a little bit. Back in the old days, back in the 50s, 60s, every uh, action-adventure person... Was wearing a suit and dress shoes. Yeah. That barely went over their ankles and had smooth leather bottom soles. And uh, James Bond, just whoever. Everyone's always climbing, depicted as climbing around in these in these dress shoes. <laughs> and nowhere is that more evident than in second 27 of minute 123 here of North by Northwest. Yeah, you get a nice uh, shoe and sock shot. Yeah, we get his nice silk shots, or his nice silk uh, socks and his dress shoes. While he's climbing around on this big steel beam and these ledges. I'm not saying dude should take off his shoes and climb around in his bare feet. But was that just not an option back then where he's like, okay, well, I'm running around on dirt roads and I'm <laughs> I'm having a rough time here. You know, maybe slip on a t-shirt and some jeans. 
in some in some. I don't know what you would wear. Did they have tennis shoes back then? Boat shoes? Yeah, yeah. I could have. What would be your action and adventure shoe for this age? Yeah, hop sacks maybe. Wow, you just said two syllables I've never heard together ever. You never heard of hop sacks? Nope. They're like. Tell me, Jason, what is a hop sack? They're like the Chinese version of uh, deck shoes. Okay. Yeah, like Chinese vans. Chinese vans. Okay, I can get that. <laughs> <laughs> but climbing around in the uh, climbing around in the old dress shoes. If it had been raining, I mean, there's just there's lots of this movie that couldn't have happened if it wasn't perfect weather. And God, you know, he he's he's on his hands and knees crawling across this this ledge. What's worse? Have you ever you know you know the thing where you are up on the balls of your feet and your hands and you're kind of kind of doing a little scoop. Yeah. You know, across the floor? Yeah. But down on your knees, going knee, <laughs> with your hands across this concrete, like, he's not really just doing that because he needs to stay low, because they, they're they leaving, they're like, not really looking. Yeah. And then he starts billy-goating it up the side of this wall to get to uh, to Eve's room. Now, see, if it was a modern movie, they'd have a scene earlier where he's, like, climbing rock walls for fun. To show that he's good at it? Yeah, show he's good at it. I kind of like the way that he's climbing up this wall... And I don't know if this is a stuntman or not, but he's climbing up this wall. His legs are a little shaky. You see a little bit of, like, he's never done this before kind of yeah. going on in the in the action. I don't know if Hitchcock had enough attention to detail to say, now, when you're climbing this wall, you've never done this before. You're a soft advertising man from Madison Avenue. You're going to be a little shaky. You're going to be a little unsure of yourself. So act like you've never climbed a wall before. And then isn't that how it always goes? Don't! As soon as they got there, she's gone. <laughs> So North by Northwest, Jason. Or really any Hitchcock movie. At what point in your life did it become special if it was Hitchcock? Was was there ever a time in your life where old movies, you were just like, ugh, they're old, I don't care. No. And, and then some flip, and then some switch flipped? I don't know, I, I grew up with um, syndication, syndicated television, showing movies, old movies all the time. So it it there wasn't really like that divide between old movie, new movie, you know. And I just always loved that stuff, but... I th- probably with Hitchcock it started with Psycho. Psycho was your first Hitchcock movie. Yeah, the ver- first one of note to where it really clicked. Like, God, this guy's really good, you know. And I- I'm still obsessed with that movie. What was it you liked about Psycho? Um, story, um, character, the way Norman Bates is like scary but sympathetic at the same time, and the atmosphere, the humor. So if you're examining Hitchcock's work. How is North by Northwest similar to Psycho, in your opinion? Lights. No, lighting, definitely. Lighting. Lighting. Um, you had mentioned that off off air earlier. The yeah. uh, the light seems like it's black and white lighting yeah. applied to color. Yeah. Lots of good background separation all the time. Yeah. The characters are always the ones that are in, in focus. Yeah. Not just in focus, but... Sharp. Sharp. Right. What about the music? Well, yeah, the Bernard Herrmann uh, style. Very... Striking, very emotional. I mean, in Psycho, it's a character unto itself, you know? You think the shower, shower scene in Psycho, what do you think? Immediately you think, eh, 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 eh. Right, it's kind of the, it's really kind of the first instance of soundtrack used as, oh, what do you call that? Digenic. It's the earliest example of a movie I can think of where the sound is used as diagenic sound. The, the violins could be her screaming. yeah. You know, and it's kind of going in line. Like you imagine, without having to see it, you can understand how many times she's getting stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know? it, 
Yeah, it's like the violin bows are like sawing on your nerves. Yeah, you can really feel it. Well, the soundtrack in this one, there are instances, especially actually in this minute, where it sounds like it could be it could be a horror movie soundtrack. Yeah. Let's let's give it three seconds of listen here. You know, it could be this could be Bates sneaking in to his little eye hole to spy on what's her face. Yeah, on uh, Marianne. Marianne. <laughs> Marianne. No, that's uh, that's uh, Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Marianne. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. It's like the music of of Norman when he's alone, where it's it's suspenseful, but it's also almost like a romantic theme. Because the twisted thing about Psycho is he's like a romantic lead, except that he kills the female lead like halfway through the movie. That's kind of a weird thing about this movie, too. Do you ever have a firm grasp on how Eve feels? Hmm. We see the scene earlier where she is seducing him. Yeah. But then she sends a note saying, what should I do with him in the morning? And makes him sleep on the floor. Yeah. So they don't do it. The train does not go into the tunnel <laughs> on that night. And then she acts cold and hot and cold. She's she's hot and cold with him. We know as as people that are watching that Philip is planning on throwing her out of the plane. Mm-hmm. That's how he plans to murder. That's so f-ing cold, man. That's how he plans to murder. Um. So we know that Philip really doesn't have any feelings towards her, except that the auction he does. Yeah. He he's able to get triggered. But there's a shot of his face before he says that he's going to dispose of her that you see a little bit of sadness on his face, I think. I'm going to review that right now. It's earlier than that. Oh. It's like like right right there. Oh. Oh, that's so subtle and brilliant. For those playing along at home, it's in second uh, six of minute 123. I mean, you, you can see his expression change as he's tilting his head, like he's just made the resolve. And I just want to go sidebar here. This color is so beautiful. I mean, it's it's just it's not just that these people are tanned or whatever. It's like they're it's like the lighting is the lighting is perfect. The lighting is perfect. The highlights on their cheeks, the wrinkles on Philip's forehead depicting his worry. You can see in his eyes, you know, there's acting, but I grew up with movies, and we're just going to call it the golden age of movies, like in the 80s. Well, okay, so you're <laughs> laughing. So what do you call it? I mean, that's when movies hit their peak. That's when movies hit their, you know, special effects merged with understanding what good acting is, merged with lighting, and merged with being able to fund them. I mean, yeah. what do you call the 80s? <laughs> okay, so... I'm not going to get a serious conversation out of you on this one. I don't know. I've, I've just seen too, way too many bad 80s movies. There are bad 80s movies, but there are also... But, I mean, when you start thinking about those years, when you start looking at Academy Awards for those years, yeah, but you don't really like commercial movies either. But, well, the movies of my formative years, yeah, 80s, definitely. You know, E.T., Empire, Jedi. But yeah. there was a lot of there was a lot of flat lighting in those things. I mean, people, you could just see everything about them. I'm not saying the lighting was worse, but I'm saying that they really, they were so good at lighting that there were no, there was no struggling to make the lighting work like here, where he just didn't have a a bajillion dollars worth of key lighting to throw at him. Yeah. That made this just so perfect. You know, he's got to shoot this thing and he's got to process this thing on film. There's no seeing what's happening before it happens. Yeah. 
at, they didn't have video monitors then. So this thing was framed perfectly. This frame, this thing was lit perfectly. Where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just wanted to do a sidebar to talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's scenes like this that are just art. It's just a painting, you know? Yeah, I mean, frame by frame, it's art. I mean, it's no wonder that uh, there was that exhibition a few years ago called 24 Hours Psycho, where they were showing Psycho frame by frame, stretched out to the point where it took 24 hours to watch it. Really? Yeah. What was the uh, what was the math on how many seconds per frame was shown? I don't remember for sure, um, but let's see. You think Psycho was what two hours? Oh God! I just did this math with my kid the other day. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "Why do cartoons take so long to draw?" <laughs> I said, "Let's do the math." Am I hearing a theremin there? That sounds like that sounds like xylophone to me. Xylophone. Hmm. Hit with a very soft mallet. So I have kind of a. Not a plot hole. I'm not going to be those. I'm not going to be the. Uh, I'm not going to be the cinema sins guy. But in uh, in second twenty nine, minute one twenty three, we see Eve packing her luggage, her suitcase. So earlier, minute one twenty one, Leonard claims that he got Eve's fake gun out of her luggage. So now as she's packing her luggage. Wouldn't that be sort of a significant thing she would notice missing? Yeah, that would be like red flag number one. Like, where's my gun? Like, hey. <laughs> you know, all of this depends on what happened off scene or off screen. At some point, she met with she met with Roger and the CIA guys right after she quote killed Roger. Yeah. Okay. Why wouldn't she have just given the gun back at that point? Huh. Yeah. And if she were trying, if she and the CIA were trying to play this straight, wouldn't wouldn't there have been like several hours of questioning by the police? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wouldn't just be ambulance comes, gets the guy, and then nothing else happens. Yeah, oh, go home, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be marking out, they'd be taking a, a bajillion photos, they'd get the gun, she'd be in custody. Good so cop, off, bad off, cop. off screen, none of this happened. No. The cops were just, like, not called. Oh, well, was the CIA pretending to be the police? I guess that could have been a thing. That could have been, yeah. Okay, so the CIA are pretending to be the police. She keeps the gun still, though, with the blanks in it. Yep. In her luggage. Now, <laughs> how did all this happen? Leonard sees her shoot Roger. Yep. And it's like, that little bitch is trying to take my, my boyfriend. Right? Yeah. So he's like, I'll get her. And so he sees, he sees her packing earlier, right? Yeah. I mean, he must have seen her put it in the luggage for him to know it was in the luggage. Yeah. So why is she packing now? Huh. I mean, I guess there could be some last-minute things going on. Yeah. She doesn't leave with two suitcases. She only has the one. Yeah. So her luggage is her luggage. Yeah. And she's digging through this, and it's not red-flagging to her that her gun isn't there. Or maybe it is, and that's why she's hiding out in the room, and she doesn't come out right away. Well, except as you're watching this, she doesn't seem to be panicked. No. You know, she's just like, hey, what was that gunshot I heard? She even she even hears a gunshot, and then that doesn't trip her memory to go, oh, I wonder where that gun is that I had. <laughs> and then she's packing and going, wait a minute, where is my gun? You know? <laughs> like, she doesn't suspect it until she gets... She doesn't know that she's found. Yeah. That she's found out until she gets the... Uh, the matchbook. The matchbook. Later on, in minute 124 or 125, whatever it is. Oh, God, we've got so many of these things to do. What have we, what have we agreed to? <laughs> Oh my, minute 123, Jason! There's seven more! 
What have we gotten ourselves into? I hate to find plot holes. And I'm not calling this a plot hole. But what's the in-universe explanation for how Leonard gets her gun? They just, they just blow it off. Like, ah, oh, I got it out of her luggage. But then they do things like have the gun go off in her ear shot. Yeah. Have her looking through her luggage. They have... They literally have your eye drawn to her packing her luggage. Yeah. And it's not like she starts to pack it and then tears everything out going, Oh my god! <laughs> no, she's just like, ah, oh, folded my shirt. There's my toothbrush. Might need a coat. South America. <laughs> <laughs> you know. There's the shoes. Very calm. God, how much does the suitcase hold? <laughs> So, uh... It's like a Fantastic Beasts uh, suitcase. <laughs> okay, so if I don't know, I'm going to assume lots of people don't. What is the Fantastic Beasts suitcase? It's a gateway to another dimension, another world. You can't just say suitcase of holding? <laughs> I think there's more D&D people than there are... Okay, so Fantastic Beasts is a movie? Yeah. Uh... Boy, I do like that dress, though. Everything, uh, everything is very earth tone in this movie, which is kind of, which is kind of fun because back in these days, man, everything was very. You even see in the James Bond movies, everything is very uh, bright. Yeah. <laughs> people aren't. If people are wearing orange, it's day glow. Yeah. <laughs> bright blue terry cloth uh, jumpsuit. Right. Right. So he's going up there to talk to her, and then she leaves right when he gets there. He's just got to be like, God. Ugh! <laughs> Missed it by that much. Can nothing work out for me? Well, I, I, you know, with that, I think we're, I think we've got a, uh, we've got a good handle on what happened in this minute. Is there anything uh, tangential you want to talk about, Beastmaster? Perhaps. <laughs> Beastmaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to talk about the Mark Singer and his loincloth and the ferrets. Okay, so those ferrets. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so when they come out of the bag that time... You can find the Hitchcock Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play or at the main site, HitchcockMinute.com. You can also find us at The Man on Washington's Nose on Facebook and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. Don't forget that there are over 100 other Movies by Minute podcasts available at MoviesByMinutes.com. Please join us here next time on the Hitchcock Minute. Wherever you are. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1995 Alfred Hitchcock directed 1995? <laughs> hey, everybody! Hitchcock, well, that great. <laughs> Hitchcock, that great 90s indie director. Uh, okay, are we never going to get through another intro? Is that it? 121, and that's the only one that we're going to do, I guess? Whatever. I'm Curtis. <laughs>